Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the true crime review podcast that digs into podcasts, pop culture, and this week we will look at To Live and Die in L.A., the new 12-part investigation looking at what happened to a missing Hollywood ingenue. And we will also look at the In the Dark update about that Supreme Court argument in the Curtis Flowers case. Joining me to get that done and even more is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. You're sounding wonderful, Kevin. Thank you very much. I feel great. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, resident rage walker, and podcasting Patreon superstar, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello, Rebecca. And finally... Our venerable captain of oak cynicism, the author behind the acclaimed novels known as the City Trilogy, and our Patreon book club host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hey, you know, I'm a little bit thrown off because we didn't get to tell you what we have for breakfast today. Oh. We, didn't do it. we didn't do a mic check. We didn't. We're jumping right in. Everybody sounds great, Do we great, sound though. good? Okay. You guys sound fine. Uh, I mean, right. you know, they sound fine. It makes me feel like we've wasted hours of our lives, like, mic checking them. It's true. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> but you get to find out what I had for breakfast. That's true. So that makes it kind we, of what checks. did you have for breakfast? Do you feel like you just Orange want to tell juice. us? Let me just guess. Can we guess? Let's take a pool. Let's just guess. Sure. Okay. So it's, it's like, what, like he's like five things on the menu. Toby just, always has. Yeah. He's got a Orange juice is always on it. Yeah. And coffee's always on it. Yeah. And then like uh, so wheat checks. Wheat checks. Or. Um, grape nuts or grape nuts. Yeah. I'm going with grape nuts. Who wants grape nuts? You want, I want five bucks on grape? Okay. I want wheat checks. We, okay. He's been having the wheat checks a lot, but there was another mystery cereal a few weeks ago that I hadn't. What was that? <laughs> he wasn't. It wasn't Cracklin' Opran, which is basically no. Like it was cookies. no. It was some what? weird cereal. What was? What? Okay, tell us what. Toby, the you don't know was, about Toby. Cracklin' Opran, which looks healthy, but it's actually just cookies. I just wouldn't eat that. It's um, brand cookies. I had uh, I had wheat checks yes. and I had oh. coffee. But I don't I don't do orange juice anymore because Rebecca ruined it for me. Oh. oh, to find out what was in the orange juice. <laughs> Shoot, like the, how do you the have ditch water? How do you like your coffee? Is, are you a black coffee guy? Yeah, I'm I'm black, oh. black oh, of and a lot you are. of it. Of course wow. you are. Is that what you struck the coffee? Like, listen, I don't want to ruin orange juice for you. I just want to ruin orange juice not from well, concentrate for you. It's too late. Buy it from concentrate. Well, I did, get, I did get some concentrate and I got to mix it up. That's so right. And just put that. it in the pitcher and like swish the thing up and down like we do a special pitcher just for that. And then you will not be drinking ditch water that's been stored underground for two years. It's all, it's all, all you need, Toby. Unless Yuck. I can mix it with actual ditch water and see what happens. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Actual ditch water. Yummy. Toby Ball's new product of the year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder, and like, if, what you, the... if you if you you buy it with the code crime, ditchwater.com forward slash crime. I always wonder, like, what the first time listener coming into Crime Writers on is like, well, let's check this well, out. Well, I got some feedback about the crime thing today on Twitter. Yeah, go ahead, tell. Somebody was like, So, Rebecca, I'm a new listener to Crime Writers On, Rebecca, and every time you parrot back the word crime when Kevin says it, 
for the first like few episodes, I thought it was super annoying. And now I find myself saying it along with you. And I'm like, mission accomplished. There's a method to the madness. <laughs> that wasn't us just being doofy. We're like, you'll remember it if we because say it Because guess like what? If you go to one of our sponsors' things and you've listened to like 100 podcasts that have the same advertiser, what are you going to think about? What are you going to think about? Ready, Kevin? Crime. 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 Promo code. Mm, what, chroma, what promo code goes crime. in this one? Crime. Or CWO or crime. Yeah. You're going to, because it's strategic, guys. It's strategic. My favorite like inside baseball story is that one of our, our sponsors, and I won't name which one, <laughs> their, their immediate feedback was it was good. Uh, like they listened to the recording of it and they said it was good. But that woman shouldn't be saying crime <laughs> along with him. And our agency said, ignore this note. Ignore this feedback. <laughs> this ignore like, it. Yeah, <laughs> Which, by the way- Which we would have anyway. That's like props to our agency yeah. for knowing. That's our it's, thing. Yeah. It's certainly like the, like not the kind of thing like the next time we would have just had everybody say crime 17 no, times. we may have done that. <laughs> Sorry, I advertiser. Like, we would never do that. Bombas? I don't know. No, we may Don't give it away, Laura. It, it was not bombas. bombas. No, 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 we've done it. No, I mean, we've all yelled about something that we were excited about. Like some sort. I, I do remember doing that. But. Sock Club. Yeah. Sock Club, yeah. Everyone was like, yeah. Sock Club, yay. And you kept screwing it up, and I hated the yes. three of you in my life. <laughs> Literally, because, and our listeners should know also, we are recording in remote locations. Kevin and I are together. Yep. But Laura's at her house, and Toby's at his house. So we are not looking at each other and being like, go, go. We're just hoping they're going to say what they're supposed to say when they say it. <laughs> yeah. And God knows it doesn't always work out that way. So there's that. All right. Well, speaking of promotional chit-chat, Laura Bricker. Yes, Rebecca. As we are taping this, it is Tuesday. It isn't coming out till next week. But we did yes. drop an episode of your podcast this week in our Patreon feed. For the people yes. who are not cheap and are willing to pony up an extra buck. <laughs> For the $6 level, they can get Laura's amazing podcast. And you have decided that the name, the Brichter Scale Podcast, is not right. And I completely agree with you. Yeah. Do you want to just put out a call to get suggestions for naming your podcast? Because, by the way, we also did this for Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. And we came up with a great name because of our listeners. Yes. So make the pitch, Laura. Tell people what it's about, and then they can email us and pitch a name. Well, so it's called the Brichter Scale right now, but I really, this is not a rage inducing type podcast. This is more like man on the street with me as I go around on my little travels in my small town. And um, sometimes there's some mysteries to be solved, sometimes some interesting things happen. Sometimes my neighbor Dan does things in my driveway that cause Fireman Ken to yell at him. I mean, there's like a lot that goes on. on yeah. <laughs> okay. It's charming as fuck, guys. It's so, charming. Um, it's it's quaint, um, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's supposed to be kind of fun and um, kind of a, a window into my other side of my world, which is like small town America, small town New England. But you know, we're gonna have some quirky things. So I All don't right. know. I don't think the Brichter scale. I know we've got some suggestions. Um, some have come in. I think we have one kind of leading the way. Do we, we want to say what? no? Yeah. Is it Kevin's? Okay. Yeah, Kevin, you did make a very good pitch. I got to say, I'm yeah. leaning your way right now. But I'm willing I come to up wait with all a the few good days. Names, actually, but. Yeah, I'm willing to wait a few days to see if some listener can come up with something that beats yours. All right. Yeah, because we had one brick by brick. I thought that was fun. Okay. Uh, we had my Exeter yeah, hitting life. The hitting, uh, the hitting the bricks. Oh, hitting the bricks. That's good. Putting on um, the bricks. Yeah. <laughs> but Laura, can I just <laughs> ask you a quick question? Can I keep yes. this amazing sound effect in no matter what the podcast is? 
Because, Laura, that lightning thunder crash is your trademark. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Even if you we come do up with that. something super charming like my so-called bricker, like that is going to be the sound effect. Can we agree? Yep. That's the sound effect. And, um, you know, I'm going to be back at it this week. I now have a windshield that's going to be arriving tomorrow. It's called a windscreen. Windscreen. Windshield is on your car. Jesus. Well, I know. That was my $400 freaking windshield rippers. But no, I have the thing so that we're not going to hear, like it sounds like we're in the NASA space camp tunnel the next time I go outside to record. So it's very exciting. All right. Well, I just want to make one more note before we start uh, the content portion of our show this week. I have come out. What? I have come out. As? I have been wearing in public to work and on stage at events my hashtag free Adnan shirt. I just want to tell everyone who's listening to the podcast, uh, who, if you've been listening since the beginning, you know that I have been circumspect and conservative about saying this on my actual show. I have always, it's been my opinion since we started this podcast, uh, not since, but shortly after we started this podcast, really, that Anand Syed is innocent of the crime of uh, the murder of Heyman Lee. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell everyone who's listening right now in no uncertain terms, in case I was not clear last week, I have come out... And if you've noticed this on our social media feeds, good for you for paying attention. And I have just come out. I just want to like just be out and proud about that. I do not think Anansa Head is guilty of this crime. You're out. You're loud and proud, Well, Rebecca. you know, this is a big deal. It's a Rubicon to cross for someone who works in journalism to yeah. take a side. Really, it is. Yeah. It's it's Rubicon. And we were just talking about this in our uh, Facebook Live thing that we were just doing before we started the show because we saw Madeline Barron was in our Facebook Live. And by the way, if you join the Crime Writers on <laughs> Facebook discussion group. Like Madeline Barron did. Like Madeline Barron did because she's amazing. Um, you might see her once in a while. But anyway, uh, that she came out at the beginning of the season two of In the Dark and she seemed to have like a take, which is that. And she didn't say this exactly, but like this town is racist and this case yeah. like went this way because Curtis Flowers is black. Yeah. And then she showed it and you know that that's yeah, true. Yeah, she made good on, right. the, which a lot of podcasters She had don't. receipts. Yeah. She had, she brought the receipts, yeah, and absolutely. I am there and I've been there for a really long time, but I just want to say it out loud on this podcast this one time. Can I, can I ask a, of something of a member of our panel? Sure. Toby, if you were on the non-jury, how would you go now? Based on everything that we've seen yeah. since beginning with Serial and ending with HBO, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think clearly not guilty. To me, it seems that he's innocent. Again, like I said last time, like even if you, like I personally can get there, but even if you can't get there, the idea that there's not reasonable doubt just seems kind of silly at this point. So yeah, so that, that's 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 where I am. So I guess I. I've outed myself as well. <laughs> You're out. What? I've, out, I've been outed. Wow. You're uh, out. Our resident Downing Thomas. What about you, Kevin? What's your temperature right now? Yeah, like for a long time, I felt like you where it's like I felt like there's some professional responsibility to not say that. Yeah. Like I, I have long been convinced that the state's case is wrong. Yeah. And it's just it just doesn't make any sense. And so to that extent, yeah, I've always kind of been like the state's wrong. Only God and the killer knows what actually happened. You just say only God. Only God. Kn- wow. Right. <laughs> only God knows. Heaven. Are you out in a different way? You I'm become like super either. religious no. all of a sudden. <laughs> no, but you. But you know what I mean. There's. Yeah. There's. You know. In yeah. the objective world. Yeah. If you told me, Adnan Syed did it, but he did it this way. He, you know, he tied her up and left her in a garage, and she was on her stomach for X amount of hours and buried her in a completely other day. And I, I have to say. Okay, maybe that could happen. Yeah. But I do not feel Adnan Syed should be in jail. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, you're not out then. You're no, not I think quite I'm out. out. No, I think I'm out. I just... <laughs> you're just still being circumspect, which is fine. 
which is fine. But I'm just saying I'm out. I'm out. Laura Bricker, where are you right now? I'm just I'm, I'm not going to put you under pressure and I will cut all of this if you guys want me to. No, I mean, I think I, the way that I look at it is I don't really know what happened. Nobody in this does. Case. Right. Yeah. But but I the way I look at it is if this case went to trial now with the information that has since been uncovered since the first trial, there is no way in hell he would be found guilty. And, you know, they might not even really have enough evidence to indict. I mean, they probably could push it and get an indictment because, you know, that's how those kind of folks work. But I just think there's no way that he would be found guilty. So I, I don't know... I don't I, I I feel very confident that he did not have anything to do with it. But I just I feel like who the hell did it? Right. You know, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, based on what we know, it seems pretty clear that, you know, if you took it, you know, and presented witnesses and listened to the information, you'd be like, yeah, no, not enough. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that is the yeah. problem. Not knowing yeah. who actually did it, yeah. but doesn't also mean that he should be in the frame. Like for Stephen Avery, I do believe that the state's case is completely wrong. I'm not convinced that Stephen Avery isn't the killer in that case. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more. One. I'm much. I'm much more comfortable saying that Adnan Syed is probably not the killer. Right. Because or is not the killer he in that was case. Seventeen-year-old high school student. Because of the totality of the evidence. And Just the, because the state gets yeah. it wrong doesn't necessarily mean they're Correct. wrong. Correct. But yeah, I just. I, 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 I'm going to say one more thing, and we're going to move on. Yeah. My final note on this is that. Every single person, and I have not, I don't engage in a lot of arguments on social media about Mm -hmm. this, of course, but I do get approached to engage in social media arguments, which is why the mute button on Twitter, by the way, is so (laughs) amazing because you cannot block people and they can just be arguing with you and you just never see it. Make your Twitter experience what you want it to be. Exactly. Just by the way, our Facebook group is also what we want it to be. Sometimes I delete whole threads. I'm like, moderators got to (laughs) moderate. This is my world, guys. Anyway, um, the thing is when people say, but there is circumstantial evidence, whatever, and then they cite something. The thing they cite is always something, always. I've not seen a single person cite anything as circumstantial or other evidence that has not been actually factually knocked out. Mm -hmm. Not the maybe stuff, but the factual stuff. Like, what about the fact that Christie says this? Or It's like, no, that's actually, it's been knocked out. Like, it would not stand up. They would not have been a witness. They would not have whatever. So, guys, all I'm saying is... If you have some evidence I don't have, like a videotape, please send it my way. All right, moving on. I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but I just want to touch on it again. Because since our episode came out last week and this week, the In the Dark team dropped an episode outlining exactly what happened during Curtis Flowers' appeal arguments in the highest court in the land. Today we go to Washington, D.C., to the nation's highest court, to hear oral arguments in the case of Curtis Flowers versus Mississippi. At the center of all of this is a question. Did District Attorney Doug Evans violate the Constitution in Curtis's latest trial, the sixth one? Did he strike black people from that jury because of their race? If the Supreme Court finds that the answer is yes, then it will overturn Curtis's conviction and death sentence. Briefly, I just want to talk about our reaction to this In the Dark episode, because I think it was sublime. Uh, It's a great example, Kevin, of something where even when you know what happened, it's a great listen, and that is Mm -hmm. very hard to do, correct? It is. Uh, As you know, I read the transcript of the oral arguments, so I was familiar with this, and I actually spoke to this, I think, both in the podcast and in our after show. But to to hear the tape, A, always brings, you know, the sort of that emotional 
So it, it, it achieves an effect of bringing to life the characters who are in the tape, the characters being the justices and, and the people making the arguments, but also to have the context around what's important and why it's important when Madeline will come in and, and drop these different things and to make the edi- editorial choices of here's an hour's worth of arguments. Here are the important things. I, I, I thought you put that together very well so that even if you're coming in and at, in, into it without having listened to anything else, you get a sense of where they are. And also the, the parts where they talk about, you know, here's, here's the crowd outside the Supreme Court. You were there. I was. And I was super surprised at what you told me as the crowd that was there because I just didn't think that people- You thought I was exaggerating? Look, if it wasn't- I like, sent you a If it wasn't Kevin. Obamacare or abortion, <laughs> I would not think that, that the Supreme Court gets that kind of- crowd. Kevin, there were hundreds no. of people out around the corner and they knew they weren't getting in. That was what struck me is they yeah. knew they weren't getting in and they were still standing there. You know whose voice I was like to hear there was uh, Tucker Carrington, who they talked about being one of the attorneys. Right. Because uh, yeah. he's he's the guy who co-wrote The Cadaver King and the Country Dentist with uh, oh, Bradley yeah. Balco. Really? That was a- that we did on the deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a lot. Yeah, he's a champion for criminal justice reform and wrongful convictions. Toby, you listened to this in the dark episode, right? Yep. I mean, I read the transcripts. I knew what happened because I read all the articles. But even despite that, it was a really good podcast episode, right? Yeah, you know, I, you know, another piece of my biography that I've not revealed probably on the podcast is that I taught uh, high school civics for a year. Yeah. And uh, I feel like, that whole like that would be a great tie up to like a a unit on uh, the criminal justice system like based around in the dark because i think you know becoming familiar with with the case and then you got somewhat of a rooting interest but you also have a pretty deep understanding of what's going on and like the environment mm-hmm. from which this case came that so when you're actually hearing the arguments, I think it it resonates a little bit more than just like you know if you're listening to something where they where they do play some tape or are playing a tra- somebody's reading a transcript of it, and you're like oh those are interesting you know legal arguments or whatever. But in this case, it's like oh yeah you know I know what this trial was about. I know the guy who is striking this stuff. I know like why it matters like that they knew this person or that person or they worked at a bank and saw these people. It was a really, you know, I think an interesting way to take a look at Supreme Court cases with a little more depth of knowledge that I think you hardly ever get a chance to do it. And then plus, you know, they obviously did a really good job of, of getting the tape that was most compelling and setting the scene and, you know, the the little bits that they used to sort of describe different people or sort of the the attitude of the uh, of the room mm. when certain things happened. So I thought it was, you know, it was super effective. One of my favorite things about this episode, Lauren, I know that you liked this too, was the scene setting. You know, Madeline, I have to say, this is the reason why I love the In the Dark team so much. A lot of it is the strength of the writing and just the quick sentences that describe it that totally said it. Madeline talks about there being this curtain. I'm like, all the justices come out at the same time. Once we'd all sat down, it wasn't long before a buzzer went off. And two people shouted, oye, oye. And all of a sudden, the nine justices were there. They hadn't filed in. They just emerged all at once 
from behind openings in the curtains. And she talks about sort of like Swoop, there's there. Yeah, like, like Cirque du Soleil. Weird like <laughs> mysticism around this like very important proceeding. It's like oye, oye, and then poof, a thing of smoke. <laughs> it's a little bit like that but then she also I mean we are used to hearing in podcasts that we talk about in the show very bad unnecessary descriptions of people and what they're doing and why and you're like just yeah. tell me what they said this podcast does it in a way that is appropriate and sets the scene in a major way and I know that you made some observations around that too especially around Sherry Johnson uh, yeah. who was representing the, the flower side in this case. Yeah, it's just the way that she sets it up. She gives you just enough information so you can actually visualize what's happening. So she described Sherry, you know, she was a law professor um, who she was affiliated with. The, I can't remember. She worked with some sort of a, not innocence project, but similar group. But then she described when she came up and how she had a very precise manner and she was very composed. And then that went right into the first audio clip of Sherry talking and you're like, Oh, yeah. So it, it really kind of gave you, you know, the feeling of what it was like to watch her when she was up arguing her side of the case. And I also love Johnson's statement. She said, no one has a record like Doug Evans. Um, that was I was like, yeah, you can say mm-hmm. that again. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. The only plausible interpretation of all of the evidence viewed cumulatively is that Doug Evans began jury selection in Flowers 6 with an unconstitutional end in mind to seat as few African-American jurors as he could. But also later on when she was describing when, you know, everybody was initially just sitting out there kind of watching and everyone's, you know, following protocol, sitting very, very still. And then people started shuffling in their seats at a certain point. The argument wasn't going well for the state. But up until this point, at least the mood in the room was pretty restrained. But if I could point to a moment when that shifted irreversibly... It would be this moment right here. You know, the mood changed when um, Breyer, like, just interrupted the state and went off about the history of the cases. And, I, you know, I was listening to this. I was like, yes, he was, like, so enraged. I was like, I love this guy. I want to walk with him. <laughs> and this is one of the issues with this case is that each one of these strikes that we have. Jason we Davis have was answering a question about the jury strikes in trial six when one of the court's more liberal justices, Justice Breyer, interrupted him. We don't have one single reason. We have... Uh, Let's look at them. But you do have history. Trial one. Five black juror possibles. Uses peremptories. Strikes all five. Trial two. Five jack jurors possible. Uses all five. Strikes all five blacks. Okay. Trial number three. There were 17 black possible. Uh, He uses only 15 this time. Why? Because he ran out of peremptories. They only had 15. All right, fourth trial, uh, 16 black, he only struck 11. That's because he only had 11 peremptories, perhaps, all right? Uh, now we come to this trial with that background, okay? And I don't think it's going to take much once you have that background. Yeah, you know, when you, you read the transcript, and I've done this, I've read lots of U.S. Supreme Court transcripts for other stories and other you know books and whatnot, and that you anticipate that, you know, uh, on paper, that the justices will push back on both sides. But what you don't get from reading it is the manner in which they're doing it. Mm. Sometimes they're pushing back because, quite frankly, they're with you. They want you to make their case for them they when they write the decision. They want you to say the decision. thing they're going to write. Exactly. They want you to say the thing they're going to make their clerk write. Right. Or say, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or say the thing that's going to prove me right. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, in the argument 
later on. Or challenge me to get me to not write the thing I'm planning to write. Right. <laughs> and sometimes on paper, it's hard to determine yes. what kind of question they're throwing. Yes. But in this case, you could hear it, and Madeline also signposted it as well. So you definitely could hear who was pushing back against the state and that poor assistant attorney general who got sent to Washington. That too. guy. That nice tall man who slouched forward. <laughs> Did you love how they chased it when they were leaving? That was the one part I started oh to get a little pissed at. God. When they were going, when they were like shooing Madeline, like she was somebody's dog, when they're like, get out of here, get out of here, <laughs> shoo, shoo. The attorney who'd argued for the state had come out a side exit with a few colleagues. We're not answering questions, so uh, we're not Thank answering you. questions. Thank go you. on. No, I'm, I'm not. How I can't answer questions. Our office doesn't allow it. It has um, to go through them. Okay. Uh, there are times I wish I could, but I, I'm prohibited from doing so. Is but this I one of those times? Yes, I can't. They won't, let me, won't allow me. I like my job. So So no no comment on how you felt. You just said that. I can't. You just said it. I can't. Don't ask questions. Just okay. go on. Thank you. Okay. I'm like... Fuck you! Um, but I understand that guy. I understand the situation. It was wasn't in, him. It was his little. Well, he did say but, that like he's not he allowed like... to talk about it, which yeah. is fair. But the, whoever his handler was, his assistant or whatever. Oh, and it was a woman. Here. But Shoot. that woman, that woman Shoot. was being a total dick to Madeline Barron. I did oh not appreciate it. It's, it's like when somebody's walking their dog or something and it comes up on the leg and you're like, get off there, get off. I mean, that's that was like the tone of voice she was using. I was like, ah! Yes. <laughs> they know they have problems with their case law. Yes. Come on. And by the way, oh, I'm not saying that the Supreme Court is perfect because we all know that sometimes we make decisions we don't agree with. We know that some justices... Really? Yes, are uh, less on the side of justice than others. Really? But Madeline does a very good job setting up the for us anyway at the time that this happened you know we talked about this a little bit last mm-hmm. week the surprise interjection of the newest justice in the Supreme Court who's now probably the cafeteria committee justice Brett Kavanaugh I will actually give Madeline props in a different way she immediately on Twitter pointed out like because I'm sure people are wondering why would Brett Kavanaugh the newest justice who is viewed as as being very conservative, why would he be taking a position that seems at all sympathetic towards the Batson case? Madeline knew that he had written about Batson, I guess, in law school. Yeah. And so it was like she you immediately provided the context for that. And you're like, whoa. Kevin. She's, she's a, a good a, journalist. She she is a good journalist. They talked about it in the in the previous in the dark, I think. She was talking uh-huh. to some Supreme Court expert and and he had mentioned that that was kind of something that was in play Mm -hmm. when he was kind of going through where he thought the votes were going to come from. And he was like, Kavanaugh, you know, he doesn't have like much of a record on the Supreme Court, obviously, because he's new. But he said, but he did write this paper, which which makes you think that he would be potentially sympathetic. Yeah. So if people haven't listened to that, I mean, I think that's another, it's better to listen to them in order because like listening to the Supreme Court thing and then listening to the preview after you've heard the actual thing is a little, uh, anticlimactic but uh, you know the the analysis that he does like prior to the argument you know i think still there's, there's nothing that i heard in the actual supreme court arguments that made me 
think that his analysis wasn't wasn't really sort of spot on. We all so, know that Brett Kavanaugh listens to a lot of podcasts, and he likes beer and yes. Batson. Apparently, well, he, listen, he listens to a, he listens to a lot while he's working out. So yes. he's got the earbuds in. He's yes. listening to Madeline. Oh, yes, God. Love Batson. All right. So at the end of this shirt at the end of this episode, I believe it's called Oral Arguments, which I would recommend if our listeners have not checked it out yet. Even if you think you've read all of the news you need to read about the Curtis Flowers case, the Supreme Court, I'm not even going to make the panel review it. Just listen to this episode. It's great. It's so great. But at the end, Madeline says they'll be back in June uh, with another episode when the Supreme Court comes out with a decision. Laura Bricker, how excited are you for June when we get to hear that episode? I can't wait until June. I am like, seriously, I have to wait two, well, you know, two and a half months. So, you know, because um, it'll they'll take it out to the wire. I can't wait. Uh, I think we should have a party. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? Should we celebrate when the next episode of In the Dark comes out around the Flowers case? Absolutely. I cannot wait to have my spirits crushed. <laughs> by the unexpected twist. Um, no, no, no. I think it's. I think it's great. I'm a little tense about it. Which are you? Is, are you worried that it's not going to go our way? Well, God. I mean, look. Think of all the things that okay, have not our gone. way. Like, well, I'm sorry. I mean, the I way do that feel you very would invested because Madeline did bring the receipts enough that you feel like there's definitely like you're confident saying there's a right and there's a wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Yeah. Moving on, Tenderfoot TV brings us To Live and Die in L.A. The 12-part podcast looks at the February 2018 disappearance of aspiring actress Adea Shabani. Rolling Stone celebrity profile writer and professional pickup artist Neil Strauss teams up with a private eye named Jaden to retrace Adea's steps and those of her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Christopher Spots. So I wanted to ask you a question about this other case that I'm working. So I don't know, you might have seen it in the news. She lives in Hollywood. She was last seen on Friday. Wait, wait, which, this Friday or the Friday, like, the week before? No, this Friday. Following this call, a series of unexpected and violent events would unfold. A high-stakes game of cat and mouse with multiple deaths, would drive the police and the missing woman's family to the brink of despair. What you're about to hear is not a cold case. It is everything that I'm currently experiencing as the immediate investigation is unfolding in real time. To Live and Die in L.A. joins the list of podcasts that double as a crowdsourcing investigative tool, seeking to drum up new info the same time it seeks to entertain its audience. But does this relatively cold case have enough twists to sustain a dozen episodes? And is this perhaps the most objectionable podcast we've ever listened to? Now, we are going to be talking about plot points for To Live and Die in L.A., so to remain spoiler-free for this show... Just go to the time code listed in our show notes to hear our reviews. Spoiler alert, they may not all be four thumbs up. All right. So it's hard to know where to start with this podcast. So before we kind of get into our breakdown of its many problems, 
Let's just talk about what it's about. Because I do think there is something here that's promising and interesting. And Kevin, yeah. I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk about that. This case happened about a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we have a journalist with some podcasting equipment who has written stories and written mm-hmm. a book. And he has gotten in with a private eye. And basically what we are getting here is his year ago real time investigation into a case and we're hearing how that works and what happened. And there is something just interesting there formatically about that, I yeah. think. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I mean you've got uh, it's Neil Strauss and he's got bona fides. He's a he's a you know, a legit journalist uh, in a prestige publication, uh New York Times and a Rolling Stone, and seems to have, you know, fallen into this case. You know, my my quibble with it is like I don't think this is this goes far as a story, mm. right? Sometimes I, you know I think journalists need to like evaluate like is there enough here to propel the story? And I feel like even though you're doing the work, it doesn't go terribly far. I don't want to jump ahead, but I, I I there was um an ad appeal for Radio Lab, mm. and I was listening to the podcast, and they're talking about everything that goes into doing Radio Lab. And one of the things they talk about is that eighty percent of the things that they pitch internally on as stories don't go anywhere, and they, they don't make it all the way to air because there's a trial and error, error thing. And I think that this that's has, just journalism. That's just journalism. But but I feel like okay, just because this kind of you were here at the start, I don't know if there's twelve episodes of this story here. Well, but here's the thing. I, that, that, Which isn't, I guess isn't the answer to the question No, you but that's asked, one but, thing. I mean, the 12-episode yeah. thing is a formatics thing. We know because we work in podcasting yeah. that you commit to that. It's like not dissimilar to TV. Yeah, but you it's don't like, commit no. to write to X amount of pages in a book. You write it until it's done, right? But like that's how this was built. Yeah, right. And there is something, before we get into this other stuff, and I just want to confirm with you, when I started listening to this, before I got into the other parts, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about, I thought to myself, hey- this is interesting because what we're getting here is the sausage. We talk a lot about how the sausage is made or whatever. And what we're getting here is yeah. it's not real time like it's happening today, but it's real time like it happened a year ago. We're hearing how yes. they investigated this thing. Yes. That is interesting or could yes. be interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll give you Except that. Except for the fact that there are so many problems. And I'm just going to, I want to play a clip right now with mm-hmm. the first thing I heard when I listened to this podcast which I wondered a little bit like, is this even real? I don't know where Adea is, but I have a good idea who does. He's been on the run since Adea disappeared, armed with two guns and a metal club. Right now, I'm sitting outside the apartment where he's believed to be staying, and it's my turn to confront him. I'm alone. I'm not armed. I've never been in a fight in my life. And I'm regretting this. Can we all just agree that he was not actually sitting outside that apartment when he recorded that narration? Do we all agree on that? Yeah, yeah. I don't... Based on my recent podcasting experience with outdoor <laughs> microphones, Rebecca, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Right. So to me, just that that writing setup was, for me, I was like, red flag, red flag, red flag. Uh, there, there is a pretense there where you are not there and you're saying you are there. And I understand with tracking, sometimes you do that. Yeah, right. But it was very problematic was for me. It? I felt like it was a venal sin compared to all the yeah, deadly honestly, sins. Honestly, that's not a yeah. That yeah. was like nothing compared to what comes down the road. So that that's tenderfoot TV. It's tenderfoot TV. Thank you, 
Thank you very much, Toby, for saying that because you are right. All right. So, Laura, I have a question for you. The questions that I had initially when listening to this, the first couple of episodes, which are about a private investigator's investigation. Mm -hmm. He was hired by the family, not the guy, Neil, but the other guy, Jade, that he was working with. He was hired by the family to investigate this extrajudicially, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about how this works. Like private investigators getting hired by families who can hire apparently firms in Canada to track cell phone pings and who are also getting leads from police. How does this work? Is this a thing that you're familiar with? Private Um, investigator Laura Bricker. Well, yeah, but no, I did not do this type of investigation. I, I There was a case, I remember, um, you guys remember that nursing student in Maine that was murdered probably about 10 years ago, and the family of her uh, fiancé, who was the one who ended up being tried for her murder, they had hired a private investigator, but he was just like some little old, like retired police person in New Hampshire. He did not have all this technology mm. at his fingertips. I guess my problem with listening to the way that this was playing out with the private investigator and the journalist in this case is I felt like at some point, you know, it's not that the police aren't doing their job trying to find out what happened. And if if everybody is going to the same witnesses and kind of mixing things up, at some point, isn't that actually going to not really help the case? Right. Especially when you have this journalist who's like wanting to get to witnesses when traumatic things happen before even the police do. I know that they were. This guy was hired by the family to investigate, but it didn't feel as sincere as I felt like it should. It just strikes me right now, and this, I, you know, essentially has really nothing to do with either the podcast or with, with the justice system. But it seems like one, uh, you know, he was hired by the family, and that a family would hire a private investigator to do this kind of work when they had exhausted what they felt were like... And a journalist at the same time? I don't think the family had... No, Neil claims in a later episode that the family also hired Uh, him. He claims that. But but doesn't it seem more like that people resort to paying money for a private investigator when the public investigator, i.e. the police department, isn't... Yes, yeah, producing that's results. What I'm saying. When your dad's yeah. in the Albanian not, mafia, it, though, Kevin, it, it just it's they an have observation. It, it doesn't mean for anything. I'm just saying it's just an it, observation. It just seemed that it was like fast. a weird. I'm, I'm with but you, it, Kevin. It, it was weird like, timing. Yeah, it's like three days later. Like she disappears. Yeah. And then, yeah. it, now, Toby, I know you have a lot of problems with this, and I just before you get launched into those problems, and I know that I keep saying before we get there because I really don't want to just spend the next fifteen minutes just saying. Crap, 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 crap. This is crap. I want to like just actually be critical and smart for a second if we can. I don't know about that. <laughs> did yeah, you <laughs> like, did you at any minute listening to this? Because I had this thought a few times before I Googled stuff. Did you wonder for a second if this maybe wasn't real? Because it is so absurd <laughs> on so many levels. Like on, on, at one moment I was like, wait a minute, maybe this is fiction and maybe we're getting this inside look into this fake journalistic investigation. <laughs> and maybe when he calls this person and they're just like crying when they pick up the phone because it does kind of sound like it could maybe not be real. Like, did you ever have that feeling? Toby? This is surreal, right? It's definitely weird. And at first it was a little bit hard to tell exactly what was going on because like, like you said, they like set up this thing where he's like waiting outside the house or whatever it was. He's in his car and he's freaked out. And then, I mean, the whole thing is just odd in that you are privy to all these freaking conversations that you shouldn't actually be listening to. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait, you so mean, you mean between it, Neil and and uh, Jaden, the private investigator, just hearing their phone calls all the time? That to me, I don't find that objectionable. Yeah. I yeah. find it more objectionable when he's like, I better call these people like before anybody else gets in touch with them. And it's one of those things where if it had been fiction, like it, there might have been some interest in it because I do like there is this thing about like, oh, so this is how this guy's going about his work. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it turns out that the guy we're following going about his work, his ethical standards are kind of non-existent and he's a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> he's not doing it very well. And he's wow. like, you're listening to stuff that you really know that you should not be listening to. Mm. And it's just the, the whole thing is just bizarre. It's 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 a weird one. And it, and at the very beginning, like, again, it's like every time freaking tenderfoot, it's like, okay, like we dump on Payne Lindsay all the time. So I'm going to like, I'm going to go counter to my, my natural thing. And I'll, I'm going to see if I'm going to really give this a chance to like it. And this was like the worst of them all, mm. you know? And it's like after like the first 10 minutes, it's like, oh God. Blessedly, I don't actually like, think it's Payne Lindsay's fault. I blame I think Donald. It's, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> I, th- I think the world of podcasting is evolving where these groups are, are acquired, bring, bringing up. Yeah. It's, this is yeah. An acquired, it sounds to me like this is an acquired product. Yeah. Right. right. It is. It is. But you know, I think Toby hits on, on something that I thought, you, you know, what makes like a detective story interesting? If this were set in L.A. and it's, it's so, if, okay, what's the L.A. private detective? It's Raymond Chandler's. Uh, Philip Marlowe, right? If this were Philip Marlowe going to all these different places and he's looking for somebody, but he's not finding him, Chandler would make it interesting along the way either because of the dialogue with the people that he meets. He would find ways to make all these people interesting. And it just, A, I don't think we meet anybody interesting. And B, we spend almost, we don't get to the fourth episode till we find anybody or learn anything. It's just a lot of like, a, a lot of minutiatia about trying to get somebody's phone number and get there and there's nobody there. It's literally it Chris a, on the phone with Jaden talking about what they're going to do. It's a lot of dead ends that do. aren't interesting dead ends. Right. You know, or right. like, oh, I th- it just is, is a, it's a lot of misfires as opposed to dead ends. And I'm like, really, we get to episode four? And, and there's that's also, we, yeah. Kevin, rampant, immediate speculation. Yeah. From the beginning. And this is like, okay, this is one. It's a year later. You could curb your speculation in post-production, right? This is one of many ethical problems with this. Yeah. This rampant immediate speculation to the point at which, you know, Chris Spots immediately gets put in the frame as probably did it. And Mm -hmm. then as soon as they mention Chris's fiance, Mary... It's like she was probably involved, right? Mm. And then uh, I know. Yeah. And then like so we just pretend that like all of our methods are cool and like we're doing whatever and then later in the series our host Neil Strauss, who by the way, I'm taking a side here, is a super douchebag, goes on the podcast saying, <laughs> "I didn't realize this was real people and it was affecting real people. I didn't know that." What? So, fucking ass. But if you but here's the thing. And who is threatening him? If you're making rampant speculation, but you know in later episodes you're gonna bring it back yeah. and then rehabilitate so you're people wrong about with that. real interviews. Yeah. Like he does he tries, I think, to rehabilitate Chris and he tries to rehabilitate Mary. Isn't it irresponsible to do this as a week by week release rather than a whole 
episode dump. Yeah. Like to me, that makes a huge this difference. This would be a here. good one as a binge. Everything at once. Yeah. yeah. Cause I would say, like, what if yeah. at the end we find out that Chris has nothing to do with it? What if at the end we find out whatever? He wrecks these people. My prediction is that yeah. all the important stuff at the end will happen in episode 11. <laughs> and episode 12 will, will be a bunch of epilogue ish bullshit about here's where everybody is now. All right, Lara, you sent me a note that says, I don't want to bash the host, but go ahead and just finish that note for our audience right now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I when he was listing his credentials in the beginning, he talked about how, you know, oh, the type of stories I usually do is like I spend a day with some famous person and like, you know, what's their day like? So it wasn't necessarily crime reporting. And I felt like I didn't know if that played into sort of the ethics of how he was approaching this story, because like you were just saying, Rebecca, I had huge problems with the way, as I was listening to this, I'm like, God, this is really reckless to just start throwing names out and and theories and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, people do it on Reddit, but this is a different forum. That We are not an armchair detective here. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And, and so I was starting to kind of simmer as I was like getting through episodes two and three and four and then I got to episode five yes. and I think, and I was driving home from skiing and I was in my car by myself and I was like, oh, this guy's an asshole. I'm like, <laughs> this guy's an asshole. And then I ended up like pulling over to the side of the road and doing a live Facebook thing because I was like, I got to tell somebody else what an asshole this guy is because this is my thing. It's like, you know, we have all, Kevin and I have, and, and to some degree, you've been in a newsroom, Rebecca, so you can relate to this. You know, we have been reporters who have been on stories where we have had to go out and talk to people after horrible things have happened to them. Yeah, yeah. You know you're going to have to do that. You know you have to psych yourself up for it. But you know what? You don't have to lose your humanity and your compassion when you go out to do an interview like that. And this guy then trying to feign compassion, I'm like, uh, clearly, if you listen to the beginning when he was so giddy, when he was like, ooh, yes. I'm going to get there before. Yes. I'm like, this, like this giddiness. Gleeful. Oh, do you think I should call now? Oh. But Chris was stopped, a traffic stop today by law enforcement and killed himself. <gasps> Holy shit. This is unconfirmed. Okay, let's let's uh, let's look into this right now. Well, there's nothing I can I, I Should I reach out to Mary Cold or just fucking let it be? She probably won't talk to me. I mean just the press is gonna reach out anyway. I mean I might as well reach out to her now. What do you think? Yeah, just go ahead. Uh, what's what's her uh, will you text me her number? Can I just give you can I just give you her number? Yeah, just give me your number. Hey, Mary. Hello. Oh, hey, Mary. This is this is Neil Strauss. I'm sorry to bother you at this time, um, but I'm doing a piece on on Chris and everything that's happened. And again, I'm so sorry to bother you right now. And I'm like, shut the fuck up! Like this guy's like, regardless of what happened, this person's fiance just died. And I felt like the way that he, I felt like just capitalized on that grief that this poor girl was feeling getting her on the phone, recording her at probably like her worst possible moment. So she's, yeah, she's consenting to be interviewed. She doesn't know what's going on at this point. And she's like, oh, you know, do something nice about him. And he's not going to do anything nice about him, but he's got her on the phone. And I'm like, oh, this poor woman. I mean, we were hearing just such a personal moment that I don't think ever really should have been broadcast to the extent that it was. And the way that that interview came about, I felt like, you know, I just felt like it wasn't forthcoming. And yes, you want to get the story. 
don't be an asshole. Okay, well, Laura, you know that we journalists are a little cutthroat about that. Yes, but you know what? We don't because you need to. But this have, gets yeah. put on display. We don't just hear him do it. We hear him talking about doing it. We hear him strategizing about how he's going to do it mm-hmm. with Jaden. He we hear his phone calls with Jaden. He's like, "Well, you go ahead and call this person." No, no, no. Wait, which yeah. which we do? Yeah. Should we call this person first, or should we go? Well, as a journalist, he's that, not wrong to try to say, "I got to beat the L.A. Times and Fox are, Eleven." We hear him strategizing but, yeah. about how to be an asshole. Yeah. I mean, I think that there there are two things that like kind of sealed it for me. One is like he calls, I can't even remember who he, he calls like a friend of, uh, of Chris's. Oh, his best friend. Like it's not Chase. Oh, oh. you're talking about Brian, not Brian, who they're keeping, yeah, I guess so. they're keeping yeah. his name secret for reasons of quote, anonymity and for no other reason. Right. After yeah, speculating protect, about everything else, to we're going to keep innocent. poor Brian anonymous for reasons of quote, anonymity. And he gets off the, he gets off the phone with them and he's like, you know, I, I think in like trying to like, you know, do everything I can for a day, you know, I, you know, I'd forgotten that, you know, Chris had friends and these friends are people and, and this is probably a really tough time for them. And I probably should have realized that. And then literally within 30 seconds, he's like, well, I guess I better call his fiance now. Yeah. And, and like, it's like, yeah, no, she's having an even worse day than that, dude. I guarantee it. Can I talk to Laura for a second? Because Laura, you've sure. done this. Yeah. As a journalist, and I'm sorry, yeah. Toby, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, 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 that, go ahead. that's what I was saying is you've done it, but yeah, you and I have do done it. this, right? And it's very scary until the first time you've done it where you've gone into somebody's living room to talk about their son who was killed in the war, right? Yeah. Or I, I went and knocked on a door September 11th, and one of the dispatchers in one of the towns that I was covering, his sister was on one of the planes. Oh, fuck. And Jesus. right, yeah. I will never forget having to go knock on the door of the sister's house and talk to her partner and her brother. and But I was like going into it from a place like, I know I have to cover this story. I have to memorialize this woman yeah. who died. But you can't go into that, I think, without having some compassion. Yeah. And, and that's, have, that's yeah. the part yeah, that is missing It's hard here. to be, I think, harder on the phone. But yeah, I remember going to Merrimack for a Marine who had been killed. And I showed up and the whole family is there. And like the extent, you, you know, it was like a wake and you have to be, you you obviously obviously have to be sensitive, but you also realize that you're brought into that inner circle and be respectful of that, yes. while still doing your job, telling yeah. the story, of this person, and and inviting them to pay those people to pay tribute to their loved one, and working yes. with them like that. And it is a I feel like as journalists, that is the most sacred responsibility and emotional responsibility that you're ever given by other people to do that and it's very hard and it, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say he did it wrong but there was just it, that's very powerful and I felt like it it, it looked to it me wrong. like he was grabbing a he was he grabbing was, a high tension wire with you? and shaking he did it as wrong as you can possibly fucking okay. do it no that's fine <laughs> yeah let me can I do it. I think do it. Like yeah. the one thing is, is that he calls, you know, the grieving fiance. Like, I don't think you have to play 10 minutes of her weeping uncontrollably. That, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, that's something. Yeah, that's something. The you second don't... thing is, I don't think you have to then call his biological father and be like, I know this is going to be tough to say, man. I, <laughs> I just know. And I, I hate to have to, to say this you. when your son just committed suicide less than 24 hours ago. But, you know, if he hadn't committed suicide, what he was actually doing, you know, he, he thinks that you probably might have killed his his lover and no. he was going to come up with his buddy and tie you up and torture you and perhaps kill you. 
to find out about it. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. I really, I feel so bad that I have to say this to you right now. And, you know, don't, I hope you don't feel, hope you don't hold it against me. It indicates somebody who, as a journalist who has never done that. I'm so sorry. And I'm going to show you that, I'm going to show you this, but it's going to prove that I've never done this and I'm doing it poorly. Which a lot of times in journalism, you can take, you can cut that shit out and get to what you I want. I literally never. And not embarrass yourself. Here's the thing. I have never, ever. So by the way, I don't yeah. blame Payne Lindsay for this at all. I just want to go on the record. People give me he shit for like. freaking thing. He did. No, I think like Donald it's, bought it. Whatever. What, it doesn't matter. It's his, a business decision. His production he company yeah. bought it. And I have heard many positive things about Payne Lindsay in the last few weeks and how nice he was at a conference that my friends were at. And I just want to say. I don't actually think he heard this and edited it or whatever. This is a business decision. But all of the shit we have given Payne Lindsay about sort of transparently being bad or like being mediocre at like, quote, reporting things. This guy is not only bad at reporting things. He is showing you. You know, they say show don't tell. Yeah. He is showing you that he's bad at reporting things by telling you that he's bad at reporting things. The thing that brings this thing over the edge for me isn't just the decisions they make. It's the transparency about letting us hear how they came to those decisions. There is an incredible moment near the end of where we've listened where he's talking with Jaden about like, post-suicide, post-whatever, that now the story is breaking. What should we do next? I'm going to make sure I'm recording. Yep, okay, cool. I always get nervous before these, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's basically like I need to speak to them. They don't need to speak to me. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, look, I knock on doors all day long. I only get nervous, though, like, and, and it's necessary, and I do the exact same thing, but I only get nervous when I plan it out. Yeah, like, yeah. When yeah. I just make a phone call, I don't... Right. But what about when it's somebody who you need, uh, you need information oh, yeah. from? Oh, totally. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean like, dude, I was so nervous when I was going to knock on the door of the spot house. Oh my God. Yeah. I totally stressed out. Yeah. Cause I have like, cause I have one shot. There is, and I'm sorry to say it. I'm going to use this word. There is glee here on the part of Neil Strauss about what we're going to do. There's actual glee. I heard it around the Mary conversation. I heard it around all his conversations where he's so excited that shit is going down. And like we've all had this moment, right? Kevin, Laura and Toby, where you're writing something or reporting something and you find out something and you're like, you're we call it like the holy shit moment. Yeah, or oh shit moment. Yeah. And it's embarrassing because you're like, usually it's something where it's like bad, where it's like, oh shit, I just realized that that guy also molested his daughter and that makes it like ties it all together. And those are your moments, journalist. I'm sorry. When you insert that moment into the story, you are stripping away all of your credibility as someone who can actually tell the story. But to me, it just seems like at the at the center, it's a quite simple murder story where yeah, it is it's, the it's not yeah it's yeah. it's the woman goes missing uh, at the hand of the guy who is dating two women at the same time yeah and. Kills himself after a sixty-mile police chase. It's probably very simple. It seems very simple, and it just seems like that's why I say like this isn't a podcast. That they're trying just, to make it more right. Just because you were there at the center and you've got all this tape, but it was the Albanian mob, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, okay. Who was not the Macedonian yeah. mob? Because even though she lived in Macedonia, her parents were from Albania. And by the way, it could have also been his dad. And by the way, I I fucking can't. It spends know a, this podcast spends a lot of time going nowhere. Okay, Toby, can I just read one of Toby's notes? I'd love to hear it. It's my favorite note on the whole thing that we've gotten so far. 
the way he feels as though it is somehow okay for him to call Mary to warn her about the press that's about to call her is <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Go ahead, Toby. Do you want to just explain why that's ridiculous? Irony? I don't know. Yeah, well, I if I can shamelessly plug the deep dive. Uh, yes. Like the next month, we're reading a book called The the Journalist and the Murderer, and it's essentially about how the thesis is that journalists, ex, you know, exploit their subjects, and that's just sort of yeah. natural in, the, in, in sort of the relationship, and there's different degrees, of course. It's just this bullshit that he does where he, where he he's like this, I'm on your side, man. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to help you out here. With everyone? With everyone. And, and he's doing it at the moment of like their highest vulnerability. So it's like you're, you're talking to this woman who's like completely overwhelmed with grief or this guy, Chase, who just like had this insane thing happen to him, which ended up in like his like this guy he looks up to like killing himself. And it's like, you know, hey, I'm going to really help you out. And the way I'm going to do that is that let you tell me everything you know right now on camera so I can play it on my my podcast. It's just it's fucking bullshit. And he thinks that way about himself. Like, like it's really it's vital for me to get this before the, the media starts getting into it and fucks everything up. And then we won't be yeah. able to talk. To it's anybody. vital before I get it, even though I'm not reco- releasing this podcast for a year. <laughs> like it has to be me. It's just it's bizarre. Like th- that guy. I don't know. It's objectionable. And I have to say one of thing that stuck out to me is about this conversation about the podcast mm-hmm. is that like I have no desire to talk about the case because the case to me is I don't want to say it's straightforward and simple. It probably is simple. Yeah. I think we've been given a portrait of a, a narcissistic guy who's good at charming people. Are you talking about the uh, perpetrator or are you talking about the host? Both. <laughs> you've got Chris okay. and you've got his dad, sort of like serial narcissist in this family. You know, and I don't want to say who cares. Obviously, we have a real victim here and we have a real crime here. But like what actually happened in this case, and this is like the crime of it. This is the worst part about it is that what actually happened to this actual victim, whether or not she was a grifter who was just trying to like get him mm-hmm. to do whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because what actually happened to this person becomes so secondary to the performative nature of this investigation that it's almost like as an audience member, are we supposed to care? Because he actually makes us not care. It's very, very strange. Laura, do you have final thoughts before we give our... um? Thumbs up or thumbs down review of this no. podcast. <laughs> I, ha- I have nothing else to say on this, uh, except it did fuel a very nice walk at the Y this week. That's right. So. It did. Yeah. So many calories yeah. burned. So many. It did. I was like, sweet. Now I can have some ice cream tonight. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. Shall we? Let's do what we do. Let's just go ahead and tell our audience. Thumbs up or thumbs down review to live and die in L.A. from Tenderfoot TV. Laura Bricker, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. You know, the audience that has actually fast-forwarded at this point to just hear our Thumbs Up or Thumbs Down review. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just go ahead and tell them um, what you think they should do? Um, I'm going to say no. There are plenty of... Wait, is that a thumbs down? Is no a thumbs down? That is a thumbs down. Unless, of course, you really need to jumpstart your spring workout routine, your couch to 5K, and you're looking for something that's going to distract you with so much anger at the production uh, ethics of this podcast that you're going to forget that you're running and your shins are burning and you have shin splints because you're like screaming. So that's the only way I'd suggest you should listen to this. 
Toby Ball, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for To Live and Die in L.A.? So it's what? It's like 12 episodes? Yeah. And it's about 40 minutes? Yeah. So it ends up being like, what, like nine hours? So I think you could probably watch the movie To Live and Die in L.A. like four times, <laughs> which I would suggest doing, which is it's a pretty good movie. Uh, so it's a thumbs down. Yeah, I'm a hard thumbs down for this one. The only good things I can say about it, I'm going to say a couple of good yeah. things. One is the sound design is very good. Mm-hmm. The I love the little chapters within the in the episodes thing. I do love the chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight. I like that. Except how chapter three started at the beginning of episode no, two I when know. I got thrown off. No, like, I know, okay. but there's a yeah, whole thing I, where that, each that, episode that, is like each episode yeah. is like a couple yeah, of chapters. I, know. I think that's cool and clever and and bookish. I don't know. I like that. Maybe yep. I'll use that. <laughs> <laughs> in every other way, production aside. This podcast is a piece of trash and is the broiest, most egregious example of, quote, dudes journalism that I have ever heard in the history of us reviewing podcasts for this show. And I will say, Payne Lindsay, I'm reaching out a hand to you right now. This podcast is so bad that I am willing to say that everything that you've ever made is way better than this podcast. <laughs> I hated it so much. Huge thumbs down. What about you, Kevin? I'm also a thumbs down. I'm oh, not. I'm not God. as. I'm not as hyperbolic as you guys. I mean, we've listened to some hot What's messes worse than of pod. This? Happy face. Oh, that thing. I mean, there's there, there's. I mean, there's been some shitty stuff. Like, this is bad. This is bad. It's a thumbs down. I feel like they want to show some of the sausage making. But it's like watching them put get like sausage all over their face, <laughs> and then like I don't know if I really want to see the making of it. And on you your know? car seat covers, yeah, you know, spit and it, it, it piss like hooves on the back seats. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's the sausage. <laughs> but some thumbs down. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. week. Jason Fields of Smilax, or Smilax, depending on how it's pronounced, Kentucky, is suing his former employer, the Hampton Inn, because his boss wanted to perform an exorcism on him. (laughs) He says that when manager Sharon Linden learned Fields was going through a divorce, she said Fields had demons. I feel like Bill Hader reading his SNL script right now because I literally haven't seen this before. She then gave him a nine-page questionnaire asking such things as, have you ever made a pact with the devil? Have you ever visited heathen temples? And to your knowledge, was there evidence of lust in your family line? Uh, come again? <laughs> oh, it gets even better when you look at the court papers. Lyndon asked her employee to come to church with her for a spiritual cleansing. When Fields refused, she retaliated by changing his job duties, threatening to fire him, and canceled his days off. She also brought ministers into the hotel to pray for Fields in the middle of the lobby. Fields' attorney is seeking general, compensatory, and punitive damages in Perry Circuit Court. Panel, this manager gives all the dirty jobs to the heathens. <laughs> you okay? Yes. What plum assignments might await you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you please read the question? I can't. Hear Rebecca you. can't pull it together. 
what plum assignment might await those uh, if they've had an exorcism? Laura, what do you think? So what's the assignment for the bad boss after the exorcism? No, what is the assignment for the employee who has gone through an exorcism? Who has gone through the exorcism? Yeah, what do they do? Oh, oh, okay. Um... I was thinking it was the, the boss was going to have to be like cleaning up like projectile vomit because that always happens in a movie when someone has like an exorcism, you know, it's always like, Bruh! and they're like, it's out, it's out, you know, the demon is out. Um, but after the person's had the exorcism, they're going to get a better job. I don't know. They might be like front, front lobby, coffee machine. Yeah, they don't supplies. have to do the projectile vomit cleanup. Toby yeah. Ball, what do you think? That's a really tough question. I would guess, you know, dunking people in the purifying waters of the <laughs> hotel pool. Rebecca Lavoy? I don't know. You know how sometimes when you go to a hotel and you leave your room and then you realize 10 minutes later you forgot to leave a tip on the dresser for yeah. the maids? Yeah. I think it's probably like those are the rooms you have to clean. Oh, the ones with no tips? The ones with the New England people who forgot to bring cash to leave it on the dresser. I think that if you went through the exorcism in your soul is pure, then you're the one who gets to pick what fragrance of the little shampoos <laughs> they put in there. <laughs> Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week? Oh, you're just ending the show now. You're just doing I'm, it. I, you gave me the script. You've I'm taken in charge. It over. It's done. Yeah. So this week we have a bunny rabbit of the week. Oh, thank um, God. <laughs> thank God, Toby, huh? Abby Smith's ra- a bunny rabbit, Ripley, who she wants to be cat of the week. Actually, this marks two years since she rescued Ripley from a breeder that got shut down. At first, Ripley wouldn't let her touch her, was very frightened. Now, after two years of patience and love, she doesn't run and she loves nose pets and bananas. Wow. You remember that song? I like apples and bananas. Did you ever sing that with your kids? No. No. I want what? to eat, eat. You should eat say now, Kevin, it's not in the bananas. scriptures where you say we should probably end it on that <laughs> yeah, note. Uh, yeah, okay. And then ask for Twitter handles. All right, let's do that. We take it over. Just we, take it over. We should probably end it on that note. And if you want to follow our show on Twitter, wait a minute. I what, guess I should Twitter ask handle? Laura. What is your Twitter? No, Rebecca you didn't to, write it. You have to literally say Laura Bricker if people want. Okay, I always yeah. improvise this part. Kevin. Oh, oh you well, you, you should write it in the script. Okay. No, I improvise it. <laughs> I'm a well, professional. Well, what happens if you get hit by a bus, Rebecca? The show falls to shit. Laura That's Bricker, it. how can our listeners follow you online? At Laura Bricker on Twitter. And Toby Ball, if our listeners want to talk to you about what a crappy podcast that was. How can they do that? Good job. Wow, that's some serious improvisation. I'm going to improv, improv whatever. I'm totally ball in age. <laughs> and Rebecca Lavoy, if people want to tell you about what an awesome husband you have, where can they do that? At Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow us, the show, on Twitter or Instagram, you can do it at Crime Writers On, or you can follow me at either place at Reb Lavoy. Yeah. Or I'm on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. Don't forget, to, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at Patreon. Links for both are at CrimeWritersOn.com. And, but mostly do Patreon. Yeah, and you can, <laughs> and you can go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media and listen to our CWO after show right now where I probably give the reins back to Rebecca. But I don't ever get to do this, so I'm not relinquishing power. It's exciting, right? Our theme song was performed by NYSGE. Yeah, no, the New York The New York Jazz The New York Scott Jazz Ensemble. <laughs> Rebecca doesn't write this out. And used with permission. This podcast is recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. (laughs) I have a martini. (laughs) Otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where we keep our red candles. Listen to the podcast to get that reference. (laughs) On behalf of all the crime writers, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later. later.
That was fun. And so we should, even though most of what we have to say about to live and die in L.A. is shitty, we also do have to talk about what happens in the podcast. And I literally have no questions about that, so we're just going to wing it a little okay. bit. Okay? Okay. That's what's happening. Just want you guys to okay. be prepared. I didn't even, well, I didn't even do the last. I did it through episode six, and then I just couldn't take any more of that it. That is so. it. There's not an episode There seven. is an episode Oh, there's seven. nothing. There yeah. is? I, I think there is, it. yeah. When did it come out? To it. Today. Oh, yeah, I didn't listen to that. Was it something important? I, I can barely even like the whole thing is just like fancy. I, I don't one, think I need like, to have watched it right. to say what I have ridiculous to say. Let's save our We're rage. Gonna We're gonna be fine. Save Bottle yeah. the rage. To get the crime writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media.